today and yesterday during the interview, the topic of fear has come up several times. Fear, I dare say, is an experience that we are all familiar with. Or, let me ask you, is there anybody here in this room who has never ever experienced fear? I have been experiencing fear both in my day-to-day -day life and in intensive meditation practice. And to tell you frankly, I'm still experiencing fear. It's not something that I've done with, so there's more work to be done. There are different uh, forms of fear or different things or objects that can be a trigger for fear to arise. For example, the fear of heights, or then the fear of certain animals, such as the fear of snakes or scorpions, or even rats and mice. In the meditation center in Burma, where I lived for the past 10 years, there was an elderly Burmese lady who every now and again came to practice meditation. And so one day, as my Burmese friend Mimi and I were uh, walking around in the center, we came across her and she seemed to be in a mood of talking to us. And so we knew her and so we engaged in this conversation with her also asking her if everything was okay in her room, in her kuti. And she said, yes, yes, but there was just one thing <laughs> that caused great fear or even phobia uh, to arise. And this was this, as she described, this little animal, gray animal with a long tail. <laughs> and so then she went on to say that this phobia had been with her since she was young and it was so bad that even pronouncing the word of this animal would cause great fear to arise. And so she could go as far as saying, you know this animal M-O-U-S-E. Another form of fear is the fear of speaking in public, of performing um, in public. Then the fear uh, of relationship or in relationships, the fear of not being good enough or the fear of not coming up to, get to the expectation um, of the other person. Then there is the fear of death, the fear of ghosts, and this is a fear quite common in Burma. Burmese people seem to be afraid of ghosts. And again, if it's uh, true, then in that center in Burma where I lived, there must be many ghosts because 
Many times Burmese people reported in their interviews to the Burmese Sayadaw that they heard or experienced ghosts in their kuti, in their room. And uh, most of these Burmese people, uh, they are afraid of them. There is the fear of being robbed or raped or fear of thieves, bandits. And sometimes it can even be uh, not a real threat, but just an imagined fear. For example, when I was um, young, well, <laughs> that seems I'm quite old now, but <laughs> when I was much younger than I'm now, um, as a little girl, at one stage, I had this fear of the robbers uh, under my bed. And they only were there in the evening when I had to go to bed. There they were under the bed, waiting with the long knives. If I would come too close to the bed, then they would cut my feet. <laughs> and so, in order to go to bed, I always had to jump onto my bed from a certain distance. But then, next morning, they were gone and there was no more fear that they could be there and so I could get out of bed quite normally. There is also the fear of pain, the fear of painful uh, sensations, which includes pain caused through an illness, sickness, And there is the fear of the unknown or the fear of letting go what is familiar or the fear of crossing our comfort zone. Or there can be the fear of dark, of darkness. So fear is a very deep issue and a very challenging as well. As I said, fear can manifest in different forms and can be triggered or caused by different objects or situations. But where does the fear actually come from? Or why are we afraid? Fear basically comes from our wrong identification. Our identification with something we think to be me or mine. And this act of identifying with something, thinking it in terms of me or mine, is of course based on ignorance of not understanding reality. And so, as long as there is ignorance or not understanding, fear is bound to arise. When we think in terms of me or mine, then quite naturally the notion of a self, I or ego uh, springs up. And of course this notion of an independently existing self or ego um, depends on ignorance, to 
to survive and to exist. And so then to protect itself, this self or ego creates a whole web of reactions. And fear is one of these reactions. So when we are afraid, when we are overcome with fear, when we are really frightened, then the important thing is not to ask, what am I afraid of? But what is fear? How does fear manifest? Or how does fe fear feel like? Fear is a very uh, strong mental or emotional state that also manifests uh, very clearly in the body. So when there is fear, uh, we can feel as if there is a lump in the throat, or it can manifest as a constricted chest, or as a pressure around the heart, or as a very jittery feeling in the stomach, or it can manifest as the very loud pounding of the heart, or as a racing of the pulse. It can manifest as the shaking of our knees or the trembling of our whole body. The basic fear is the fear of death, the fear of losing our life, the fear of letting go uh, of life, losing what is dear to us, what is uh, close to us. And so it is from this basic fear that all other forms of fear spring up. For example, the fear of spiders is the fear that the spider could harm us in a way uh, which could finally lead to our death. And likewise, it's with the other objects that cause fear to arise. The basic function of fear is to assure our survival. When our life is threatened, then the immediate reaction is fight or flight. So we either try to defend our life or we run away from the source uh, or danger. Uh, for the, we run away from the source of danger to our life because we want to save our life. However, this very basic uh, reaction of fear not only arises when our life is really threatened or in danger, but very often it also arises in less uh, threatening situations. Fear basically arises with any threat to our well-being. And that can be our physical well-being, emotional well-being, uh, mental well-being, spiritual well-being. 
or in other words, we can say fear is the anticipation of some pain or distress in the future. As I mentioned in the beginning, fear also arises during our meditation practice. And so I want to talk about some aspects of fear or uh, objects, situations that can cause fear to arise. As we know, Vipassana meditation is learning to stay present and observe what is actually happening in our body and mind in order to understand it. It means to be honest to ourselves and accept whatever comes up in this body and mind. It's not about choosing our favorite object and or avoiding those objects we don't want, we are afraid of or uh, we don't like. And fear is another experience that can arise and actually does arise. And therefore, it's something we also need to observe. It is not by avoiding fear or running away from fear that we can overcome it, but only by facing it directly and by very carefully looking at it. So we need to understand fear in order to transcend it. Fear is an aspect of aversion, of dosa. Dosa, as we know, is one of the three unwholesome uh, roots. Dosa includes anger, aversion, hatred, ill will, frustration, grief, sorrow, etc. Fear is also an aspect of, uh, of that. Aversion or hatred, anger, is aversion striking out. Fear, on the other hand, is aversion pulling back or contracting within. So the, the aversion of the anger self or the anger ego is striking out with harsh words, with rude words, with abusive speech, or it is striking out with harmful bodily actions, hitting somebody with one's fist, or taking a stick and beating somebody, or uh, taking a gun and shooting somebody. So this is the uh, anger, ego, the aversion that strikes out with verbal or physical actions. The aversion of the fear ego, however, is pulling back within. Uh, it's contracting within. It's a form of, uh, of this contraction within is a form of uh, rejecting the situation, not wanting to face it not 
do immediately something about it. As we have come to experience when fear is present, it's extremely restricting, limiting. It's also blinding and distorting our experience, distorting our perception. And so how can we practice in order to go beyond this limitation, to go beyond this restriction, to get out of this confinement? Because when we are caught in fear, we are, we are really confined within that state of fear. Very often, our confinement is our comfort zone. We have a comfort zone in regard to the body, to bodily sensations. And we also have a comfort zone in regard to the mind, to our emotions, to our thoughts, feelings, uh, emotional states. And so when we come to the edge or to the boundary of this comfort zone, then very often fear arises. And so our usual reaction uh, is one of pulling back, of stepping out of the experience, stopping the practice, somehow trying to avoid the fear, not wanting uh, to deal with it. So let's look at our meditation practice. Let's, uh, for example, there is an experience of a difficult emotion. What's the immediate direct experience of that? It's uncomfortable, it's distressing, uh, we feel insecure, and on top of that, there is also uh, the manifestations of that in the body, as I mentioned before. Could be a constricted feeling in the chest or racing pulse, pounding heart, etc. So that's the actual direct experience. Or let's say there is an experience of pain in the body. Pain, it could be aching or heat or throbbing or needle sharp uh, pains, etc. So, this is the immediate direct experience. A certain uh, kind of bodily sensation, maybe um, a cluster or a variety of different bodily sensations. And so, if we stay with that physical sensation, with the throbbing or the aching or the pulling or the pressure or the tension, and as we observe it, we can see that this throbbing or the tension somehow changes. It doesn't stay exactly the same all the time. Maybe it increases uh, in intensity, maybe gets less, maybe it spreads out or pulls. 
uh, together in one point. Or there is the fact that, you, that we will die. And this can bring up uneasiness, distress, feeling a sense of loss of control. If these kinds of experiences get too strong or too intense for us, then that's when usually the mind reacts with fear. So then the mind contracts within, wants to pull back from the actual experience. So to work with the fear is an essential part uh, of the practice. We cannot avoid it. We cannot get around it. There is no bypass or shortcuts. We can ask ourselves, what am I afraid of? Or where are my limitations? Where is my edge? Let's look at physical pain. When there is some pain in the body, and as we bring our attention to it and observe it, it's most obvious it's unpleasant, it's uncomfortable, it's painful. That's the immediate direct experience in the body. But most of the time, it doesn't stop there. The mind reacts in one way or another to it. So how does our mind react to that? Very often, the mind doesn't like it. It becomes impatient with the pain. It wants it to go away or push away. And also there can be a whole train of thoughts uh, around that experience of pain. And also the mind can come up, the ego uh, can come up with all sorts of justification that staying with the pain uh, is dangerous or harmful to the body, that we're going to uh, hurt our body and so have uh, lasting damage to it. For many uh, meditators, especially uh, in the beginning stage, they need a lot of encouragement uh, to observe pain, to stay with pain. In most cases, to observe pain is not really uh, harmful or dangerous to the body. But I say, in most cases, there are some kinds of pain that can really harm uh, the body or lead to lasting danger. So that one needs to be careful. So, if meditators dare to cross over 
the self-imposed border or if they dare to cross uh, the edge and go a little bit further than they dare normally, then they can realize that the pain is just an ongoing process of different sensations. As I said, it can be heat and tingling and aching and throbbing and stabbing, pulling, pressure, etc. And so by observing the pain, by staying with it, by not shrinking back, um, meditators can uh, start to see new things uh, connected with the pain. So in this phase, when there is the courage uh, to stay with it, or as um, Carol mentioned it last, uh, in her last talk, um, of not shrinking back, like to have this kind of courage that doesn't shrink back from the experience, then meditators can have quite mm, surprising or amazing experience, experiences uh, with the pain. For example, uh, to see that by staying and observing the pain, it's uh, getting weaker and finally uh, completely disappearing. And for people who have never stayed and observed some pain for a longer time, this can be quite uh, revolutionary because they thought that pain only goes away when one does something uh, against it, changing the posture or getting up or whatever. But to see that pain is actually just another fleeting experience that arises, stays some time and finally disappears on its own accord can be quite uh, surprising. People have also reported that by, by observing pain, uh, all of a sudden the pain just disappeared with one big bang or <laughs> like an explosion and then pain was gone not there anymore. Or it can happen that by observing a painful, unpleasant sensation in the body, that gradually it changes and finally then has turned into a pleasant sensation, a pleasant tingling or uh, a warmth uh, in the body. So when we learn to deal with pain and its reaction it causes in the mind, like fear or anxiety and so on, then we also can uh, use that understanding uh, in our day-to-day -day life. When pain or some mental distress arises in our day-to-day -day life. How do we uh, relate to that and the resulting fear in 
day-to-day circumstances? Do we want to get away from it? Do we just want to close our heart and mind and avoid it? Or can we make it part of our day-to-day practice as well? Can we take it as a challenge to venture into new territory, to let go of the familiar and to try something new, maybe some, maybe still a bit uh, unfamiliar? Learning to open to pain and its associated fear or anxiety in meditation is also a good training for uh, when we are afflicted with illness or uh, when we know our death is very immediate, so in, uh, in the process of dying. Because in meditation, we can shift the posture a bit or get up, and so then the pain is gone. We are relieved from the pain. But in our day-to-day life, when we are afflicted with this, uh, a sickness and have uh, some pain uh, to deal with, then often just changing the posture or getting up doesn't get relief of the pain. So, that, so then there is no way to really get away from the pain. There we are stuck with it. Of course, uh, for many forms of physical pain, there are drugs, medica- medication that can give us some relief of pain. But for people with an chronic illness uh, accompanied by pain, it's often not the solution to just uh, fill our bodies with drugs all the time. I have one friend who has uh, chronic uh, rheumatic pain for many years, like for 25, 30 years. Since quite a young age, she got it, and it stays with her all the time. And so for her, it's out of question that uh, she takes painkiller all the time. So her body would be full uh, of that all the time. And for that, for her, there was no way around to avoid pain or to get away from it. But it was really by accepting it, by facing it to deal with it also on the mental level, um, to face her anxiety and fear around that. When the Buddha addressed sick uh, people, he used to ask them, even though your body is experiencing all these painful feelings, Can your mind be at peace? We can ask ourselves, can my mind be at peace when my body is sick and full of pain? It's a possibility for us, but it takes training and lots of practice.
during my first years in Burma, I was practicing at the main center in Yangon. And there in the center, there was also a very old Sayadaw. His name was Kokowa Sayadaw, and he was one of Jamie Sayadaw's teachers. He was old and frail and sick, and so most of the time he was just uh, in his room. There was uh, a man, a person, who was taking care of him, bringing the meals to his room. So when I was not engaged in intensive meditation practice, sometimes my Burmese friend Mimi and I, we would go to see Kokowa Sayadaw, just to pay respect to him, maybe offer him some vitamins or something. And one time we went to see him, he was lying in his bed and as we came into the room and as his attendant pointed out that we had come in, he tried uh, to sit up in the bed. And obviously it was very difficult for him to get up and obviously there must have been a lot of pain in his body. And so very quickly we said that he didn't need to sit up, that he could lie uh, down and we just, we just just wanted to pay our respects. But uh, he made the effort of sitting up in his bed and we paid respect, bowed down uh, three times. And after I did my three bows, looking up to him, um, I just saw this face with, which was shining and radiant, radiant. His eyes were clear and soft and his facial expression was so serene and peaceful. There was not the slightest, slightest uh, trace of suffering on his face. So it seemed that his mind could be quite detached from the pain he was experiencing in his body. So when working with pain, painful sensations, we need to differentiate between different kinds of pain. We cannot deal with all kinds of pain in the same manner. For example, um, pain as a signal of danger. So for example, if we put our hand into the fire and feeling the heat of it, then it's good to withdraw your hand very quickly, immediately. So that pain is really a sign, uh, a signal of danger, and you need uh, to do the appropriate thing, namely to pull out your hand of the fire. When I was about nine or ten, I wanted to check if the electrical stove was still on or not. And so I put my two fingers on it only to withdraw my hand very, very quickly because uh, it was still on. My mother had forgotten to turn it off. Then there is the pain of 
discomfort or the pain of accumulated tensions in the body. And this kind of pain can be observed um, without any problems. So if we can attend to this kind of pain without fear, uh, just observing uh, these painful sensations, then an amazing opening could take place. So then we could be observing the unwinding of knots that we have been uh, carrying around for years or even decades. Another kind of pain comes as the pain of healing, healing from an injury or healing of a sickness. In the Mahasi Meditation Center in Burma, at one stage they collected the stories of meditators who, while being at the center and meditating, recovered from various illnesses. Uh, there's a little booklet which contains these stories of meditators who uh, experienced a healing of certain things, like people who are healed from asthma or ulcers, even heart problems, uh, high pressure, uh, tumors, eczema, arthritis, and so on. And actually, every now and again, I hear from uh, foreigners who come to practice in our meditation center in Burma that some were healed from an eczema or a tumor they had. So it does happen that in the course of uh, meditation practice, people get cured from uh, physical pain or even a sickness. But we have to be careful that we do not engage in meditation practice only to make go away a certain pain or sickness. It comes as a very welcome and pleasant side effect of the meditation practice. But our primary aim should always be to get a complete cure, like to cure uh, our heart and mind from the stains of greed, hatred, and delusion. The Bojangas, uh, the seven factors of enlightenment, they are actually uh, considered to be medicine. And as medicine, they do not only cure the diseases of the body, but and that is much more important, they, they cure the disease of the mind. And as the Buddha has said, the disease of the mind is the various defilements, the basic three ones, greed, hatred, and delusion or ignorance. So how we relate to physical pain 
can show us a lot about how we habitually uh, relate to other kinds of unpleasant circumstances in our lives. Do we have the ability to stay with what is unpleasant? Or does the mind just blindly react, either with anger or with fear? Observing pain, painful sensations, is not the form of self-mortification, but actually a way of learning to understand pain, to understand unpleasantness, and to understand the related states of mind, such as fear, anxiety, and so on. Physical pain is quite coarse and therefore uh, quite obvious. So it's a very clear and distinct object that can easily be recognized by the mind. And so because it's so distinct and clear and painful, it's not so difficult for the mind to focus on it. After the first resistance to pain, meditators usually make friends um, with pain. And later on, they even come to appreciate its presence. Sometimes later on in the practice, when these coarse forms of physical pains have been weakened or are not there anymore, when things get very subtle, then sometimes meditators trying, um, finding it difficult to focus on anything because it's so subtle, then they even wish for pain in the body to come back because that would give them a clear and distinct object. Even very strong forms of physical pain are nothing compared to the much more difficult and challenging forms of mental pain. So learning to face uh, physical pain, to deal with physical pain, can be a first step to make the mind ready to face the more difficult pain in the mind, such as fear, anxiety, and all the rest. It's like if you have never run a marathon, then we just do not go and participate in a marathon. The result would be disastrous. Uh, probably already half through the marathon, uh, we would be exhausted and crush. So what would be needed uh, would be a long-term training during which we gradually train the body for longer and longer distances. And likewise in meditation practice, we need to train the mind to become less fearful and become stronger to face even stronger and more uh, difficult forms of pain and the resulting fear.
sometimes it's not the fear of the actual strong pain or difficult emotion that has arisen, but sometimes uh, fear arises in anticipation of something which is not there yet. Or if there's just the beginning of some unpleasant physical sensations arising, then the mind can just latch onto that and uh, get caught uh, in thoughts. What if when the pain gets stronger, how will that be? And I don't want to uh, face it, I don't want to experience that. And if that really, and I will really have to stay with it, and then it will. So <laughs> this whole scenario in the mind, getting already afraid of something, uh, which is not actually there yet. My teacher, Jamie Sayadaw, very often tells his meditators when they report uh, experiences of pain and um, the resistance to, to deal with pain or the fear that comes up uh, in relation to pain, then he tells them, well, actually, pain is the key to the door of Nibbana. <sighs> like, if there is pain and if one is able to stay with it, not shrinking back from it, observing it, then it's like already having the key in your hand with which you can open the door of Nibbana, the door of the deathless. But of course, in the beginning, it's not <laughs> uh, an easy thing to do it. But as I said, if one makes the first steps and tries to stay a little bit longer uh, with it, then one can experience, ah, pain is just these sensations of throbbing, of stabbing, of pressure, or heat. And one can observe that these sensations are actually changing all the time, even if the change sometimes is very minimal or slight. So when we take our time and energy to watch the body and what is happening in the mind, then we come to see that these painful or unpleasant sensations in the body are just naturally arising. There is no way of preventing them from arising or happening. And so then we come to understand that having pain or unpleasant sensations is not some kind of a mistake. It's not because we did something wrongly that now pain uh, arises, but we just see that it's the nature of the body to produce also unpleasant sensations. And 
even a person who is fully enlightened still experiences unpleasant physical sensations. We know that even the Buddha was sometimes afflicted with pain in the back, or sometimes he suffered from headache. So as our meditation practice deepens, we not only realize more clearly the nature of pain and the resulting fear, but we also come to realize the nature of death which knows the pain, which knows the fear. So we come to see the nature of the mind or the consciousness. Consciousness in itself has just the nature of knowing, of cognizing that there is an object. The knowing in itself does not change the nature uh, in relation to the object. Whether it's pain, pain or pleasure, joy or sadness, whether the object is considered good or bad, the mind, consciousness, simply knows that there is an object. The mind is like a mirror. It just reflects what comes in front of it. A mirror doesn't add anything to what it's reflecting. It doesn't take away anything from it. A mirror does not judge the object, good or bad, liked or disliked. It doesn't uh, strike out with aversion or it doesn't react with fear. And in the pure recognition of the object, then there is no fear. So our exploration of pain, mental distress and anxiety and fear that uh, we do in our meditation practice and the resulting understanding can also be greatly beneficial uh, for other uh, life situations. We, we see that we can apply the same principle of an open and hopefully fearless mindfulness to difficult situations or emotions in daily life. If we can uh, bring up a certain level of awareness, of mindfulness, then we do not fall into the trap of fear. Even though we find ourselves at the edge of what we think possible, we still have the courage to take another step without being terribly afraid of the unknown. When we are not in the grip of fear, then we are free. And then in, the, in this place of freedom, we have the 
uh, opportunity or possibility to, to act wisely and to act what is appropriate to the situation. In the grip of fear, however, most of the time we just blindly react uh, on the base of our habitual or uh, ingrained habits and conditioning. And if fear still arises, all the same, but at least we can recognize it. We can apply awareness to it and say, ah, fear, here we are again. Welcome. <laughs> but this time I recognize you and I will not fall into your trap. Still, your, your present um, makes my knees shaking or I feel my heart pounding, but I can be aware of that, just that. Another kind of fear is naturally arising in the process uh, of our meditation practice. As our uh, practice is deepening, we come to see very clearly that objects arise, stay and disappear. And that understanding gets uh, clearer and clearer. And also then the arising and disappearance of objects becomes faster until it's so fast that it seems like objects just arise and disappear and arise and disappear one after the other. And going on from that, then there comes the stage when the arising is not clear anymore to the mind, but all the mind is aware of is the constant disappearance of objects. Whatever uh, is observed, it's just seen as disappearing, 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 disappearing very rapidly. And as a result of that, then the mind reacts with fear because object, the objects constantly disappear. The mind has nothing to hold on anymore. Nothing lasts, but immediately disappears, vanishes all the time. And so that constant disappearance, not being able to hold on to anything, that uh, causes great fear to arise in the mind. And for many meditators, this kind of fear comes very, comes as a big surprise because there was no obvious uh, object or cause for fear to arise. Nothing <coughs> like the fear that they have been familiar with. And so, for uh, many, uh, many meditators then, again, uh, react with the habitual uh, withdrawing uh, from the experience, pulling back, or think now that the practice is really uh, going uh, in the wrong direction, they may stop practicing altogether. Although this is a rather unpleasant experience, this understanding 
or as it is called, this inside knowledge of fear, is an important step for further progress uh, on the way to freedom. And so to navigate through this rather difficult or dark uh, stretch on the path, it's important to have a good and experienced teacher. Otherwise, the ego shrinks back and seeks comfort in the familiar, in that what is known. Fear is one of the last barriers of the ego. And this is why when we meditate in a Buddhist context, we start by taking refuge in the Triple Gem. As you know, taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. The act of taking refuge gives us protection. As we give ourselves into the hands of the Buddha, we are safely held in his hands. And so we are protected and nothing can hurt us. And with this kind of inner assurance, then we gain the courage to jump over the edge. Let's sit quietly for a few moments. <laughs> 